So we're going to continue uh, our time this morning as we look to kind of wrap up the last part of God Has a Name. We've actually walked all the way through the text together. Uh, if you are new or newish, or this might be the first time or first time in a while, we invite you to go back and take a listen to the last seven weeks as they've been really, really beneficial. I don't know about you guys, but this series, uh, it's not because like I'm doing a killer job teaching it. It's because God is absolutely amazing. This has been so refreshing to my soul. I hope it's been refreshing to your soul. But we've been in Exodus 34. We're learning about who God is on God's terms. We're in Exodus 34, 6 through 7, and it's the most quoted verse in the Bible by the Bible. So with that, we're going to read through it one last time together, uh, and we're going to do it together. Remember, when we get to the Lord, the Lord, we're going to say Yahweh, Yahweh. So we can get that up on the screen, Exodus 34, 6, and 7. We're going to read it together. Here we go. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but will who by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And if you have your own Bible in front of you, I don't think I put it on the screen, but after God reveals himself and his character to Moses, do you guys know what Moses does? He quickly bows his head and worships. He bows his head in worship, which is the response when we begin to see who God is. He's overwhelmed by his beauty. He's overwhelmed by the honor of getting to know who God is. So as we kind of wind down, I want, I want us to recap. And we're going to get some interaction again together. And so the first week we walked through, God has a name and his name is Yahweh. Good. It's Yahweh. It's I am who I will be. What do you guys, was there anything? I think there's a couple pieces in one in particular, but I want to hear from you. What is significant about God giving Moses? And what does that reveal to us about God? He wants us to know him. He's relational. The fact that he gives us a name to which he can be called from the beginning shows us at the core of who God is, that he wants to be known and that he wants to be in relationship. So we got this name, Yahweh, I am who I will be, that shows us that he's relational, that he's always wanted to be in relationship with us. Next, we saw that Yahweh is above all other Elohim. So he's the God above all gods. He is creator God, which lets us know that he's powerful. That this world came into existence because he spoke it. Then we saw some of the kind of first uh, descriptive words. We saw that Yahweh is compassionate and gracious. Anybody, I don't know, I would be surprised, but anybody remember those Hebrew words? I'd be surprised. Just as a testament of how bad of a teacher I am. Just kidding. Oh! Rakum and Hanun. Well done. Extra gold stars, Justin. Okay. Uh, so, 
So rakum is compassionate. What type of word is that? You guys remember? It's a feeling word. He's cheating, but it's okay. No, that's right. It's a feeling word. He's compassionate. So when it comes to descriptive words, when God's describing himself to us, one of the first things he wants us to know is that he feels. He's a feeler. Makes me know, I'm like, that makes me know that I'm created by God because that's like, I'm a feeler. I get it. Okay? And then so, but gracious, hanun, it's not a feeling word, it's an action word. So this is where God is sometimes different than me. He just doesn't feel. He actually does something about it. He acts. And we see that God is slow to anger. Anger. Yahweh is slow to anger. One of my favorite qualities about God, because if I was God of me, I would have destroyed me. Because I am not slow to anger like Yahweh is. It's part of the core of who he is. It's what he wants you to know about him before he even talks about his justice, that I am slow to anger. And he's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is where Brian Yee taught. We got to learn about his hesed. This is his covenant-keeping love. It's not just a feeling, but this is a commitment to love, whether or not we reciprocate that or not. Then we learn that his love, and if you're interested, that word hased is the only word that's used twice as far as describing who God is like. And that word hased is love. It's a covenant-keeping love. It's the only one of these that's used twice in this God's self-description of himself, so it's probably important. Where he says that we learned last week that he's loving to the thousands. That he's eager, uh, itching to forgive. And to forgive all different types of sin. But he also will not let the guilty go unpunished. Which created this uh, tension for us, right? Because all of us are guilty. Which pointed towards us needing Jesus. Who would take upon himself all my guilt. All my shame. In order that we might be made well quick question for you guys. I don't know if, any, if there's anything that's really stood out to you, but has, any, have, has learning these things about God impacted your relationship with him at all? Has there been anything that's really jumped out to you as you've learned about how God reveals himself to us that's, that's just been like, whoa, I needed to be reminded of that, or I needed to know that, or man, I haven't been thinking about God in this light. Has there been anything? Anybody? It's okay if there's not. Good. Well, you guys, this morning, I, well, one, if you haven't had the opportunity to think through of, of how these things that we've learned about God is impacting your relationship, take some time this week. Just grab a journal, take a half hour, and just ask, God, what have you been wanting to show me over these last seven weeks through Exodus 34, 6, and 7 about who you are? What are you wanting me to spend some time pressing in on, because uh, our, our heartbeat at the very core of this is, is that in doing this series, we are hoping and desiring that each of us would be growing in our intimacy with Yahweh, uh, and I hope that's happening. And so this morning, as, as, as we close, one of the interesting things that we want to do now is, is see 
how, okay, we've learned all of this about Yahweh, and now what do we do? Exodus 20, verse 7, in the Ten Commandments, it says this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold his guiltless, uh, he, God will not hold him guilty who takes, God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I don't know if you guys have grown up in a household or not. Most of us have, have heard this, and, and our first instinct is, okay, I don't use the phrase, oh, my G-O-D. Uh, and uh, that's what we've taught our kids. That's what we grew up on. And that's part of this command. That's not, not part of this command by any stretch of the imagination. But most of us don't grasp, because we're not a part of 1500 B.C. culture, that when it talks about not taking the name in vain, it is much more than the words that we speak. And much more about who's behind that name. The reputation. As we learn that God has a name, we're learning about who he is. And that word, you shall not take, the word actually is better translated and better understood as you shall not carry the name of the Lord your God in vain which drastically changes. Because, right, our default, our default is to our words, which is, like, that's so much easier. <laughs> like, okay, just don't say, oh, my G-O-D. Henry, our, our third born, right? Yeah, third. Um, he, he struggles with this one, which is interesting because nobody in our family says this. And, uh, and so he oftentimes will accidentally just, it'll just come out. Uh, and the other day I caught him, he was playing a game on the iPad, and he just was like, oh my God. And then I also caught him saying, God, I'm so sorry for saying that. God, I'm so sorry for saying, oh my God. Uh, and, which is kind of cute. Uh, super fun. Uh, but there's so much more to that. Carrying the Lord's name in vain is something that most of us, even if we may not say, oh my G-O-D, is something that we struggle to do well. And what I want to take the next legitimately few minutes doing is showing how Jesus carried the name really well and invites us to do the same. So we have Jesus. We're in Christmas, right? He is, what's one of the names for, what are some of the names for Jesus? Emmanuel, which is what? God with us, okay? So we have Jesus, God with us, John 1, 18. It says this, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. Who's that? The only God who's at the Father's side. Jesus has made him known. This is exemplified in John 17. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify, display you, since you have given him authority over all the flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, Yahweh, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who is also Yahweh, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Here, I have manifested or displayed or carried your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world. Verse 26, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me 
may be in them and I in them. Jesus has shown us who and what God is like. Jesus carries the name of Yahweh. He showed Rakum and Hanun throughout his ministry. And he not only has compassion, but grace towards widows, towards leopards, towards Zacchaeus, toward the woman at the well, toward the prostitute. It goes on and on and on as he shows compassion, as he weeps over those because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he's filled with compassion. Lazarus at the tomb, he weeps. He's filled with compassion. And he acts as he calls Lazarus out. He is slow to anger with the religious leaders and skeptics, and yet still steadfast in his said covenant-keeping love. He's just as he flips over the tables in the temple. He's just in being ticked off that people are standing in the way of proper worship of Yahweh. He's just in that. And yet he shows his mercy to thousands as in days later he's dying for those very people who were there standing in the way of that worship. Jesus carries the name. Jesus shows us what Yahweh is like. So what about, but what about us? So like, does Jesus carry the name and like we just get to stand back and watch? Or is there now something for us? John 1.8, to as many as receive him, he gives the right to be called children of God. Interesting. The Lord's Prayer, Jesus instructs them. How does he tell them to start the Lord's Prayer? Our Father. Fa- so Father. Father, okay. Romans 8, we cry out, Abba, Father. We have an intimate relationship with Father. Ephesians 1, we have an inheritance. There's this picture painted all throughout the New Testament that we now carry a name. We get to call him Father. And when you have a father, that's your name. Just like my kids, they're Baileys. You and I are sons and daughters of the king. We're sons and daughters of Yahweh. We carry Yahweh's name. Let's go back to John 17 for a minute, where Jesus prays for you and me. He has already made it clear that he has made Yahweh known. And now let's see what he says about us, starting in verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Listen here. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask only for these, but who else? For me and you, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, and that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me. And love them, even as you love me. I love this. 
Look how steeped this is in relationship between Jesus and the Father and Jesus and us. Relationship is at the core. But what does he pray? That just as the Father sent Jesus into the world to make God's name known, he is now sending us, you, his sons and his daughters, imperfect as we are, to carry the name. Paul later will say this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So now we don't get to just know Yahweh and how amazing he is. We have a responsibility to show this world how amazing he is. We are his ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think that's a bad strategy. I would not want to make my appeal, I don't think, if I was Yahweh, through somebody like me. Or somebody like Paul. Or somebody like the woman at the well. And yet this is who God is. God is making his appeal through us. Worship team, come on up. Here's the deal, though. My, my dad taught me something a long time ago when I started um, going towards being a pastor and, and when I began to teach, and he said, look, hey, if it doesn't mean anything to you, why should it mean anything to anybody else? Some of the best advice my dad's ever given me. It was so profound and so helpful. If it doesn't mean anything to you, why would it mean anything to anybody else? And this is so true when it comes to carrying the name of Yahweh. If it doesn't mean anything to you that Yahweh is relational, if it doesn't mean anything to you that Yahweh is compassionate, if it doesn't mean anything to you that Yahweh is gracious, if it doesn't mean anything to you that Yahweh is slow to anger, if it doesn't mean anything to you that Yahweh is steadfast in his faithful love towards you and I, if it doesn't mean anything to you that Yahweh is uh, permanent towards his forgiving posture towards you and I, if it doesn't mean anything to you that God is just and yet forgiving to the thousands, why would it matter to anybody if we have any hopes in carrying the name well, our plea must be like Jesus. God, would you help me? God, my heart's desire for those who don't know you is I want them to know your love. That's Jesus' heart's cry in John 17. God, I want them to know how much you love me. And when it comes to us carrying the name, got to be rooted in the reality that part of the, why do we want that? Not just to save people from hell. Yes, that's wonderful. But because Yahweh loves them. Creator, God loves them. Just as he loves Jesus, he now loves you and I. And has that love and affection for the world. Would God have said covenant-keeping love be so real?
especially as we're heading into this Christmas season. You guys, we get to carry the name of Jesus. Not only is it a privilege, sometimes it also can be a little bit of a challenge. We don't, we don't only get to, but we also can't not. Meaning that we can also, just as we can carry the name well, we can also profane the name well. And so as we begin to respond now, as, as we begin to move forward, my hope for you as, as we leave this series, that you would walk through those characteristics, those character traits of God. Yahweh's personal. Yahweh's feeling. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. Those are the things that are true about Yahweh. And, and Yahweh, through Jesus, is now encouraging those things to be true about his people. And remember, he's itching to forgive. So when we don't do that well, guess what? He's itching to forgive. That's how loving he is. So what does it look like to reflect those things, to carry Yahweh's name well? And let us not carry the name of Yahweh in vain. Instead, let us rejoice and be glad. For Jesus has made a way. Lord, thanks for this time. Thanks for this series. Thanks for the opportunity to discuss together, to be encouraged, to see how we have been carrying your name together to this world. And Lord, we want to do it more. So Father, as we respond in these next two songs, we just ask God that you would stir in us a heart of thanksgiving. That we would be reminded of your amazing has said love toward us. Your love for Jesus, your love for the Trinity, that, that your love, Lord, would be the motivating thing. It would be your love that controls, propels, that pushes us forward. And here's the deal. We can't do any of this without your Holy Spirit. But we thank you that part of the deposit you made in us was your Holy Spirit dwelling in us, for you will be our God and we will be your people and you will dwell among us. And here you are. So Holy Spirit, we ask, we give you privilege, we give you right, we give you opportunity. We ask you to help us carry the name. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.